Hey, hey, welcome to the Church Home Podcast with Judah Smith, my amazing husband. My name is Chelsea, and he is about to give you an incredible message. And I know we are going to hear about Jesus and his love for you. And if there's anything we can do as a church home community, we would love to serve you. You can come to churchhome.org slash pastor chat, and we would love to have a conversation with you and just meet you exactly where you are. Enjoy the message. This is my title tonight, and I just, I never share, I never do this. I have a, I have a, uh, a PowerPoint tonight, a little PowerPoint presentation. Um, yeah, there's most of my graphics, but <laughs> I hate you guys. But anyways, the title of my sermon tonight is The Only Attitude You'll Ever Need for True and Lasting Success. But I, I, I got to get a little, little caveat. I am not the success coach you're looking for. Okay, lest you think that this night is going to be dedicated to your career. Okay, now what your career is, is super important to me. And I'm going to pray for a promotion with you. I'm going to believe that your boss will realize that you are the next great thing, that they'll give you the corner office or whatever it is that you desire or the business you're starting, that it will boom and it will prosper and all of those things. But part of my role isn't actually, now indirectly, I might help your career. Count that as a bonus. But my job is to help your soul. That's what I'm here to do, is to help your soul. So I want to say something. Sometimes when your soul gets helped, it actually doesn't help your career. In some cases, it can kill your career. (laughs) You might need to quit your career, for real, for the sake of your soul. So, So just in case, like, you see the word success and you're like, finally, this guy's going to give us some keys to grow my numbers on social. Um, No, definitely not. But I would like you to see me as someone who is going to help you be successful in life by telling you again the story of the great and wonderful Jesus. Now, when I say success, what I mean is the buoyancy of your soul. To me, you are only as successful as you are healthy and buoyant in your soul. Soul, we could define, it's very debatable and tough, but your mind, your will, and emotions. How's your mind? How's your thoughts? How's your will? How's your emotions? Right? Translation. Are you doing what you want to do? One scripture says, what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want. But I, I think, I think success is ultimately defined by the state of your soul. Jesus said this once, one of my favorite verses, you've heard me quote it before. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but in the process lose his own soul? In other words, Jesus taught this paradox, which is you can be uber successful and be completely broke, right? So you can be bankrupt in your soul and have a billion dollars at your respectable local bank, right? So the the goal tonight as much as I wish I could, I, I really wish I had the tools to help you make more money. But that's not really my thing. That's not really my gig. I can suggest other communicators and talkers that might help you. My objective tonight, just to be clear, when you see the word success up there, that, that word from the premise we're working from has absolutely nothing to do with money. Super sorry. Super sorry. But I'll say one thing about money Uh, If money dominates your thoughts, uh, you need to give it away. That is the only way to fight greed. And greed is riddling this country. You want to fight greed? 
give the thing away that is populating your soul with greed. Just give it away. Just give it away. And so we, we do promote the giving of money. We do. It's a big part of what we do because it is a key to your soul being healthy. When money takes hold of your soul, this isn't even my sermon. What am I doing? When money takes hold of your soul, sometimes you got to give money away to let money know you don't have my soul and I don't worship you and, I, and you don't lead my life and you're not in control. And I don't make decisions just based on money. I make decisions on purpose and God's plan for my life. Come on, right? So I don't know who I'm talking to. Sometimes I don't know why I say some of these things, but tonight is committed to the success of your soul. How is your soul doing? That brings me to 5.30 a.m. this morning. I woke up at 5.30 a.m. and I mean wide awake. Now, first I thought, I'm incredibly disciplined. This is amazing. I'm up at 5.30. I literally have cracked the code and I am far more spiritual. Now, if you're like me, I will have one day of like reading a lot of the Bible or spending a lot of time in prayer And I start to develop like a Mother Teresa complex. I really do. I started to say, man, I'm really getting it. I really have developed into quite a spiritual giant. So when I wake up at 5.30, I kind of struggle with pride. So I'm laying there and I'm like, speak to me, God. I roll over. Chelsea's dead asleep. I'm up praying over her, praying over our children, thinking of all of you by name, like, well, all right, we're not lying. But anyways, come to find out, I don't think it was God. I just think I was up. So I got up and do what I always do first thing in the morning. I turned on ESPN. All right, all right, everybody relax. That's a true story. I should have cracked my Bible. I turned on ESPN and I just sort of had these thoughts like, God, what, what, you know, what's, What's going on? I am so tired. I'd really like to sleep in. I didn't have to go anywhere till 11 a.m. I'm like, I, I, could, I could, you know, why wake up when you can sleep in? That's one of my life mottos. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, why fast when you can eat? Another one of my mottos. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, why not drink when you could drink? You're like, all right, Judah, we're going too far here. I meant water. All right. Well, um, I got. I I am so overwhelmed with content tonight because it's been way too long. You guys got to get me on the stage more because this could be a long night tonight. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Five thirty a.m. I get up and things start to get wonky. It was just one of those wonky mornings. I got to be honest with you. Chelsea will attest to this. Just a wonky morning. Okay. I go to get in the bathtub. I do at least a bath a day, if not two a day. It's bizarre, okay? But the bath is kind of like my alone time. It's where I go. And so I am getting to the bath and I spill my lemon water. I know, I know what you're thinking, okay? But I thought I was amongst friends. Is this not LA? So now I'm questioning the validity of God. I'm like, ah! And I'm away from Chelsea. You can't hear me. So I'm getting some volume. Ah! Ah! So I wipe up the water, I get in the bathtub, and the day continues. I, this day gets, this morning got so bizarre and so weird. So much so, we're walking through the airport. This was the worst part of my day, and I'm going to cut this short because I got a long litany of things that happened to me, but let's be honest, who cares? The point is, it was a tough morning. 
Okay, the only thing tougher is like if someone would have popped up in, in front of me and said, you have to take a math test today. That just would have been the end of it. I would have became an atheist immediately. Algebra for you, buddy. I quit. Life, you know. So anyways, I'm walking through uh, Seattle Airport. I flew in from Seattle this morning. I don't want to brag. And I'm carrying my dog, my dog. Be careful who your friends are because your friends will rub off on you. And I swore I'd never get a dog, but all my friends have dogs. So now I got a dog. Okay. It's how it works. All right. You become who you hang out with. So, and none of my friends have big dogs. So we all have little dogs. So I got the tiniest little dog who I thought I lost last night when I took out to pee because there's not a lot of light and I was in the mountains and I just thought I lost him and I'm screaming, chill! Anyways, he climbs out of his crawler or his, his crawler, his, I don't know what it's called. It's a case. It's a carrier. And I locked him in. You know, I, I hooked his collar in the thing, but I, I panicked, right? We were, this is a whole nother story. We're trying to get through security. By the way, we, we, we arrive at the airport and the, and the plane takes off in 10 minutes. Now, if you don't think that God is on my side, I'd like to make a presentation. Out of nowhere, the plane is delayed 25 minutes. Thank you. It is why I am here. There is a God! Most of the time, right? So I'm, I'm trying to get to the gate to actually give my son and daughter the dog. Louie is his name. And Louie climbs out of the carrier. And, but I'm kind of like looking around, you know? And he climbs out of the carrier and all of a sudden I hear thud. <laughs> And I look down, and this dude is dangling from the carrier. He's hit his head on the marble floor. Insert Seattle culture. Wait for it. A lady stops. She's in full tie-dye. Seattle. I grew up there. Relax, everybody. Full tie-dye. No word of a lie. Full tie-dye. And I'm like, Louie! Louie! And she does one of these. Um, excuse me. Do you need help? Translation. I'm from Seattle, Take care of your dog, weirdo. Oh, you guys don't know about Seattle. We have more um, parks for animals than humans in the city of Seattle. Do you know that? You didn't know that fact, did you? That's why you came tonight. And she was judging me. I literally looked up. I was so distraught. I just looked at her. And she looked back at me and we had this moment. And I looked at her deep. And I didn't say anything, but I was saying everything. I was saying, I grew up here. It's my dog. Leave me alone. And she literally, no words were spoken. She goes, okay then. And she just keeps walking. Louis got a concussion. I put him in there. I'm, I know, I'm heartbroken. We get to the plane. We make the plane. Chelsea proceeds to, to point out all the stains on my pants. And if you know anything about the part of my dysfunction, part of my controlness in the world is not allowing stains on my clothes. Okay, I was scarred. My mom never allowed us to be dirty. So when Chelsea's like, oh my God, you have a stain here. Oh, you, when you stood up to go to the bathroom, you should see all the stains in the back of your pants. I wanted to rip my pants off and scream, where's God when you need him? It was just one of those mornings, and we all have those mornings, and we all have those days, and sometimes it's just inexplicable. You spill stuff, you get stains, your dog gets a concussion. <laughs> it's not funny. Anyways, 
I'm sitting in my, my seat and on the plane, and I'm just having, you know, doing a little self-talk. You ever done self-talk? And you're just like, bro, 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 get it together. You ever done that? Like, come on. Bro, you're grown. You know, I might have put in a little explicit there. You weren't in my head, so you couldn't judge me. You're a grown man. Grow up. Control your emotions. Focus a little more. One of the weirdest things that happened is I had this little gold bracelet. One of my kids bought it for me for my birthday or something, or for Father's Day. I, I don't know why I did this. I go into the bathroom. You ever looked in the mirror? This is, this is just one of many things. There's so many more I'm not going to get into. I'm looking in the, in the mirror, and you ever kind of like looked in the mirror? And um, on this particular day, someone walked in and said, you look good, Pastor. And I'm like, ah. So I panic a little bit. I got got, you know. Someone's like, hey, Pastor, you're looking in the mirror. It's not biblical to look in mirrors. So I panic. I do this stuff all the time. And I'm just like, oh, hey, hey, man. And I just kind of like pull away. And I notice there's just loose stuff in my, in my pocket. And so I'm like, I got to get all this garbage out. So I just pull it out and throw it in the garbage. And then I, I, I wash my hands before I use the restroom. It's a weird thing. We're not going to get into it. So then I, now I'm going to the stall. And it dawns on me, that's the gold bracelet my sons gave me. So now, pastor is back by the, I'm pulling paper towels, used paper towels at the SeaTac airport. I want to die. <laughs> Found it. Yeah. I love you guys, man. God bless you. See you next week. Like, all right. <laughs> Just a weird day. Like you're throwing stuff away that you're not supposed to throw away. You're not taking care of your dog. You're late for the airport. Like, get it together. Okay, and Chelsea and I might have fought last night. It worked out great. Everybody relax. But we fought last night before, went to bed, woke up happy and everything, but things just didn't work out. Have you ever just felt insufficient? You know, some of you are like, I wouldn't feel insufficient if I had a morning like that. Well, I do, so just work with me, okay? It doesn't take much for me. And I'm just like, is my, is my life a mess? I just feel like I can't focus. Like, what's wrong with me? And so again, I'm back in the plane and giving myself self-talk. And the self-talk goes something like this. Bro, focus. Get it together. Come on, you're a grown man. Bro, just calm down, relax, and handle your business. Now, what I just explained to you, if I could be so bold and sane, is what we would call status quo or normal. Which is to say, when any of us feel insufficient, or I could say, not enough. Anyone here, don't raise your hand, because if you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar. Anyone here ever felt like you're not enough? Not enough. Maybe you just went through a breakup. Guess I'm not enough. Maybe you just went through layoffs at your work, and they're giving you incredible recommendations for another place, but you were some of the few that did get laid off. Am I not good enough? Everybody gets invited to dinner except you. Am I not fun enough? People don't find me enjoyable or interesting? Checked on Instagram on accident before I fell asleep and noticed that after church, all of my friends had a great hangout. Be nice to get a text. 
Am I not enough? Life is so silly because you can be light years ahead of the Joneses, but that's before the internet. Now, you got to compete with all the Joneses in the world. Now you might be beating your, your neighbor, but the world is your cul-de-sac and you're always going to find somebody who's more than you are. And so we all have those moments of self-talk where we're like, bro, you got to do this, right? You guys know this is my pet peeve, but in our culture, this Western culture, we are the most overworked nation in the world. And that is a fact. Research was done in 2020 and there is not per person. We work more hours than any other nation in the world. Now, as you know, stats can be convoluted. So let's just keep moving. All right. Some, if you're like Chelsea, you're like, I, you know, uh, every time I share a stat to this woman I have been married to for 23 years, I would like to say right here, because if this isn't preaching, at least it's therapy. There has never been a moment in our marriage where I have shared a stat. Now, if you know anything about me, for me to share a stat is honestly like the virgin birth. Okay, because I don't, I don't, I don't do stats, but when I get a stat, I get all excited and I think I'm going to impress Chelsea but she always unravels my stats. That can't be, I, no, that's not true. We, we can't be the most overworked, frankly. I would see that as this nation or that nation because based on actually population, for instance, and then, so anyways. So let's keep moving. Stats don't work for 50% of you, so let's just keep moving. Okay, for the emotional people, you're like, whoa, I knew it, bro. So I'm exhausted. And this sermon's already hitting. Okay, but for the rest of you, are like, that's not true. How much longer? All right, we are, in fact, on the grind. In fact, I want you to think about this. The word grind is like vogue. It's like a vogue term. Hey, man, what are you doing? Grinding. <laughs> what? You know what grinding means? Hey. <laughs> When anything gets grinded in culture, okay, like metals and this sparks fly, man, what are you up to? On the grind, man, you know. Wow. Super cool. Keep grinding. Keep driving. Keep going. Keep doing. Let's go. That's what we do. You know how we do it. Out here in these streets. And then we all come to stuff like this and we're like, I am exhausted. <sighs> I got to tell you, man, this culture. You're the guy that texts all your friends today that you're on the grind. Hashtag mama mentality. <laughs> we don't know what we want, do we? The same dudes who are like, let's go. Later that evening, they're like, bro, I am exhausted. So, when I'm not enough, I usually, the, 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 the Bible uses the word not grind, it uses the word strive. Striving is effort with stress. And the stress is, it's effort to prove I'm enough. If that isn't American, 
I don't know what is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show them. Some of our favorite athletes, they weren't drafted. They were undrafted. And they show up at these professional organizations and like, I want to try out. And we hear their story. And the managers and the GMs are like, I don't know. You're too short. You're not fast enough. Da, 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 da. And they're like, just let me work out, coach. You'll see. And they become like a star. And we're all like, let's go. Yeah. But none of us are willing to admit we're, at night, we're so, so tired and anxious and can't put our phone down, can't take a break and secretly love all of our friends, but are super annoyed about how effective they are compared to us. So then we come to church and we're like, hey, can you encourage me? Jesus died for your sins. He loves you. You're forgiven. And you're like, amazing. Okay. And so what we do is we put God in his place. God is in the like, I'm forgiven. He loves me category. But when it comes to like my daily life, that's up to me. And I want to introduce you. Let me put my graphic on the screen again. <laughs> to the only attitude. I kind of forget the title because it's so long. The only attitude you'll ever need for true and lasting success. Now, an old wise man once said to me, Judah, whatever doesn't serve you, you need to let go of. And I feel like that's a great statement, but I could also say this, whatever doesn't serve what you serve, you should let go of. Some of you are on the grind. We call it drive. We call it dedication. We call it commitment, but it's stressful effort to prove you're enough and it riddles your daily life. And you keep telling your friends, why am I so tired? I just told you. I just told you. So I want to introduce you to the only attitude. In fact, I'm going to take it a little bit further. You actually don't need to strive. Striving does not serve you or more specifically serve who you're serving. You're serving Jesus. Can we tonight take a few minutes around this concept and see if we can't make some progress around letting go of this effort we're putting forth on a daily basis to prove everybody wrong and prove that we're enough. Focus, bro, get it together. You're a grown man. Come on, let's go. And so many of us, we love Jesus, but we don't realize that he has given us a gift to set us free from a mentality that's not from him. It's from the part of the world you grew up in. It's part of the world you grew up in. Now, what I'm about to say it's not going to make me wealthy, okay? If I'm gonna do seminars around the country, I don't recommend this one. Hey guys, welcome tonight. I am gonna show you how to give your money away, quit your career, but have a great soul. Americans aren't signing up for that. If I wanna do that, I don't wanna do that. Okay, you don't have to do that because it's just, we're doing it in church, okay? So secretly, just pretend for a moment, what if you did let go 
of the grind, the dedication, the commitment, the effort with stress to prove you're enough. What if you let go of that and you accepted this other attitude? And the attitude is this. The only attitude you'll ever need for true and lasting success is the attitude of acceptance. The attitude of acceptance. Now, tonight, the rest of this night is going to be dedicated to seeing whether or not you can accept your acceptance. In fact, I'll take it a step further. One of the things I do every time I'm on this stage is I am trying to show you again and work in tandem with the invisible spirit of God. I am trying to partner with him in this room in a spiritual exercise to get you to accept your acceptance. But all of us in this room, instead of accepting our acceptance, are far more prone to earn our acceptance. And that's what's killing you. And I don't mean to be crude. It's killing you. Trying to earn your acceptance. I'm going to earn. So here are words we use in culture. You deserve this, bro. Yo, you deserve that. I hear that all the time. Now, I don't correct people because that's weird. And when Christians do that stuff, it's weird. And it makes people feel weird and bizarre. So don't do it. You know, it's like when people are being sarcastic. Hey, brother, don't say you hate people, brother. Words have power. All right, all right, all right, all right, relax. I'm not going to correct people. But I got to tell you, I don't deserve anything. No, no, that's not true. I deserve something. The Bible makes it clear. Death. Judgment. I've done so many things to hurt people. I've done so, I did stuff last night, raising my voice at my wife. I mean, I raised my voice at everyone, but hurtful things, selfish, self-serving. Deserve? Deserve? I think I deserve any of this. This ain't about deserving. Deserving is a tell. You use the word deserve, it tells you the orientation, posture, and attitude that you're living by. And that is earning and deserving. And like most of us, we struggle almost every day with, I'm not enough. I can't be enough. I, I just gotta, I gotta, I gotta earn it. I gotta work harder. I gotta work harder. And so these, these are funny things we do in linear time and space. We'll tell someone because they've worked the same job for 15 years, they deserve. Guys, 15 years? In light of forever? Do you know what I mean? Like it's a drop in the bucket, but we think in terms of, and I'm, I am not mad at the deserve dialogue or using that word. That doesn't make me mad. It makes me sad because it's robbing you. Because you think if you put in the work, now listen, if you want to get big muscles, this is not the sermon for you. I'm not here as you're like, bicep coach, in case you're like, well, this doesn't make any sense. That's not how my body works. Your body needs resistance to grow. Sure, your soul can use resistance to grow. But I am telling you, you don't have to learn everything by pain. You can learn it by revelation. Through the help of Jesus. You don't have to learn everything by resistance. You don't. Your muscles require resistance to grow. Obviously, I do quite a bit of that. I don't want to get into that right now. This isn't about my workout, which often so many of you ask. <clears throat> Shut up. No one's ever asked. That's weird. 
It's weird. They asked Stephen Furtick. They never asked me. It's weird. It's weird. It's strange. Anyways. The only attitude you'll ever need for true and lasting success. Look at this verse. Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 14. Look at this. It's amazing. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. That's in the Bible. You guys thought I was just coming up with this stuff on my own. You didn't receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back, leading you back, leading you back, leading you back, leading you back. It's not forward, it's back. Not being good enough is a backwards motion, not a forward motion. You want to go into your future? You want to do all that's ahead of you? Don't go back into the attitude that you're not good enough because you're not, but, but you have received. It doesn't say earn. It doesn't say deserve. That says receive a different mentality. So don't accept a mentality of religious duty. So here's what we've done. We have come up with a new kind of Christianity, like I have, and it's duty. It's like, God, I'm gonna give money tonight. When Chelsea comes up and says, you know, we pool our resources to do good things and we have 60 staff members and we pay for this facility and so it's a nonprofit and you can donate and you can give and that's wonderful and that's just the way it is and hope it doesn't bother you. But Chelsea, my wife's gonna do that. We're gonna encourage people. Hey, if you'd like to participate with us, that's great. Please, 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 please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying if you give money, God will give something to you. That's not how this works, but that's how we think because we're normal. We're just, God's not mad at you. That's just normal. Religious duty is normal, but it's rooted in fear. Warren Buffett had this crazy post, the 10 things you should know that you don't know. And one of the 10 things Warren Buffett said was behind all anger is fear. And I fell on the floor and I was like, that is exactly why I'm so angry on the golf course. I'm terrified of losing and being a bad player. Yeah. I get angry at home because I fear loss of control. Earning and deserving is a cover for fear. And the fear is that someone will think you're not talented, you're not gifted, you're not good, you're not important, and you don't matter. So we're constantly letting people know I'm good. Good. And we all go home like little kids. And when we're alone, we have little kid thoughts. Why didn't anybody invite me to the dinner? <laughs> it's true. Some of you are like, when I get married, it'll, be, it, it'll all be better. Then your spouse goes to sleep before you and you lay in bed and you're like, does she even see me? <laughs> a, a husband told me that one time. I don't struggle with that. Am I invisible to her? I'm invisible. You know, whatever. It's silly. We're, this is so normal, this fear-ridden life. But, but you have been gifted a spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God, and you'll never feel orphaned. What? You'll never feel orphaned. Yeah, I will, and yeah, I do. But I read this and I'm like, but I don't have to. I don't have to feel like I'm, the, I'm on the outside looking in. 
Does anyone ever feel like that? You, of your whole friend group, do you feel like you're kind of the one person who's like, I just, everyone else is so connected and cool. I just, hey guys, we going to Arby's? Where are we going? Roast beef, right? Like whatever. And it's like, and everyone's like, Arby's bro? And you're like, ah, just kidding. Just kidding. I hate beef. I'm vegan, vegetarian. Where do you guys? <laughs> oh man, I'm really trying to calm down tonight. And you'll never feel orphaned for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection. Beloved father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Now, I'm going to say something that I shouldn't say, but I'm just being cheeky. I should say it. That's why I'm going to say it. Some of you want God to speak to you. But the way God is speaking to you is not the way he speaks in the Bible. So that's not God. That's you. Thank you for the, cl- I agree. I agree. It's not, it's not a poem, but it's close. I'm being serious. When's the last time the spirit of God whispered into your innermost being? I'm so proud of you. You're mine. I think you're amazing. I cannot remember. Do you know how many meet and greets and book signings over the years at our church, just meeting people, trying to just meet and hear people's stories and testimonies over the years? Do, do, do you know, I, 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 I've never met the person who's like, man, God just keeps telling me every day how much he loves me and how proud he is of me. In fact, here's the stories I hear. Hey, Judah. That, you know, your sermons are great. Now, this isn't everybody, okay? Your sermons are great, especially the ones about, like, God's love. I never felt loved like that. That's the truth, isn't it? When's the last time God spoke to you the way he said he would speak to you? But here's what we hear. Come on. You hear God like maybe the father you had or didn't have or wish you didn't have. And it goes something like, get it together. Are you serious with that? Oh, you're still cussing? You're a cussing Christian? Who is this? This is God. (laughs) Ryan and I were talking yesterday on the phone and we're talking about the tone, the tone of Jesus. Some of you hear a tone that God never has in the Bible. I should say it like this. Some of you hear a tone that Jesus never uses in the New Testament. And it's like, a, it's really intense and it's mean. And you're like, yeah, God's just been challenging me. Is God always challenging you? That might be you challenging you. I'm being so serious. I mean, I know dudes who come up here and preach from what they say is God challenging them, but I'm searching the New Testament. I'm like, God doesn't totally do that very much. So you'll, let's read this one more time. This is, has this ever happened to you? For the Holy Spirit of God makes God's fatherhood real to us. What? 
I predict the next 10 years of the church around the world. I believe what God is going to do in the church is his spirit is going to show us the truest title of God in all the Bible is father. And I believe the next decade in the church, you'll see an uptick of this because I believe this is what God's gonna do. And I'm prophesying right now very carefully so I don't freak you out. But God is about to emphasize his fatherness. He's not just a father, he is the perfect father. I want you to think of the coolest, most incredible father you've ever met and maybe he wasn't yours. I'm not the father you've admired, not even close to what he really is. But the spirit of God will make the fatherhood of God real to us. And he's gonna whisper, how, 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 how? He's gonna whisper into our innermost being. Listen to this. The word beloved means so loved. So it literally means God's in your ear going, you are so loved by me. So, so, so loved. You be loved. I mean, really loved. And we're down here deflecting that. That can't be God. For I still, well, how should I say? I, I still cuss. I still smoke. I'm a bad, bad person. In fact, that's probably the devil tricking me. Because what I need to do is be on the grind. So this is why you meet Christians who your interaction goes a little bit something like this. Hey, brother, you believer? Uh, what's that? You're a believer, right, pastor? I think I've seen you somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's Judah. I was just getting some sour cream. What's up, man? You come to Trader Joe's a lot? Uh, not a lot, brother. Uh, you guys making disciples? Ah, uh, what? You guys making disciples, brother. Do you know where the guacamole is? <laughs> we don't mean to, but I've done this. You, you, you're intense, we're gruff, we're rough. If that was happening all the time, wouldn't we be sweeter? Wouldn't we be just the most melted ice cream people in the world? Ain't nothing better than the perfect melted ice cream. Do you know when the spoon just goes right in and you can get almost the whole pint in one scoop and you're just like, you know, when the, when the ice cream's real hard and you're like, and you flip it and the ice cream goes flying across the kitchen and you're like, I just got to get this melted a little bit. Ain't nothing like perfectly melted ice cream. Why aren't Christians like perfectly melted ice cream? Why aren't we the people on the sour cream aisle that were like, hey, hey, are you that guy? The preacher guy? Oh, man, keep doing what you're doing. Love you, man. How good is God? I dream of a church where we're all just melted for God. I'm being so serious. Where we're all just like, bro, I can't get enough of Jesus. I mean, this is crazy. By the way, I'm a nightmare. I Still addicted to a bunch of stuff, but God loves me. And people don't like when I talk like that. 
But I would like to tell you that love is a much greater motivator than duty. Love just takes a long time and we're not comfortable with that because we're performance driven. So I am encouraged by Christians all over to put you on a timeline so your life has to change within a certain amount of months at this church or we must not be doing it right. And I'm like, ah, it depends on ice cream. Some take a long time to melt. Insert briars. Briars takes a long time. Dryers, briars, long time. But you and God are, he's just going to keep whispering. I love you, man. I love you, man. And you're accepted. Formance driven. In fact, you will be excited to hear he doesn't even consider your performance. For if he did, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God through Jesus Christ is eternal life. Which is to say, God took the performance of his son so that he could cover yours. So that your acceptance would not be based on your performance because you could not earn nor deserve the divine. Only the divine could do that. So God put on skin and bone, moved in the neighborhood, never sinned, but became sin so that you and I could become right with God. Let that melt you. This, <laughs> we are not a community of practicing, disciplined, mysterious, wonderful, incredible humans. There's none of that here. There's no pretense here. We are broken, average, ordinary people who most days don't feel like they're enough. Just your puppy crawls out of the carrier and your life is over. So much. Such a nightmare. Throw the gold in the garbage. Do you feel like you're not enough? I got good news. You aren't, but he is. And he wants to show you how perfect of a father is. So here's three thoughts to ruminate. I'm not going to expound on them. Number one, you have a reserved seat at the table of God's family. But listen to me. It can't be filled by anybody else. It's got your name on it. It's got your name on it. It's got your name on it. At our table in Seattle, there's a chair I sit in. And my dad taught me this, and I feel like a man. And the head of the table is my seat. And sometimes you'll see my boys will have a friend over or a guest, and they'll sit at my table, and I'll just stand there. And my boys will be like, yo, 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 that's my dad's seat, bro. You got to get out of there. You sit over there. Just sit over there. It's all, it's all good. It's all good. He didn't see. He wasn't looking. Don't worry about it. Because they, they do my bidding for me. That's my chair. You know what's crazy about that chair? I've never been stressed about that chair not being available for me. It's my chair. Some of you were close enough. If I saw you in the chair, I'd be like, now that's my chair. If you want to sit in my chair, I invite you to do so. But it would be better if you got up because that's my chair. You got a chair, you know that. I mean, I mean this literally. I mean this actually. The Bible says we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. 
I'm actually telling you that there will come a time in eternity that there will be a chair you will sit on. And that chair is just yours, made for you. I don't know if if chairs will be different colors. Probably, I wouldn't put it past God. Might even have engravings, if engravings is a thing up there or around there or wherever there is. But you got a chair with your name on it. You're a part of the family. It can't be taken. Listen to me. I am a firm believer that even the kids that don't know there's a father, don't believe there's a father, reject the idea of a heavenly father or any deity or any divine. I am here to tell you they have a chair. Yeah. The preacher's job is not to convince you. It is to show you you have a chair. What you want to do with your chair is up to you, but you have a role and a part in this family, and it's yours. It is yours. Did you earn it and deserve it? No, but he did, and it's yours. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am seated with him in heavenly places. Psalms 23 says, you prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. God says, sit down in the chair that I have made for you. There's an old story in 2 Samuel chapter 9 about a crazy name called Mephibosheth, which means the speller of shame. And it literally speaks he was one of the descendants of King Saul. And David found out, and Mephibosheth was, he was crippled in his legs because he was dropped as an infant. And the Bible says that David found Mephibosheth in Lodabar, which means no communication. And he went to the place of isolation and no communication. And he took Mephibosheth and he brought him to the palace. And he showed him that, Mephibosheth, you have a chair. Mephibosheth stopped because of his brokenness that he had no place in the family. But David was trying to give us a a, a, a window into what Jesus would provide for every Mephibosheth like you and me. My life is full of shame and poor performance, but the performance of Jesus gives me a seat at the table. That's where I get my confidence. I'm being so serious. I'm being serious. I don't lack for confidence, I got to tell you. But it's not performance confidence. It's my position confidence. I got to see the table, player. I mean, when you got a reserved seat, you got a reserved seat. What are you going to do? You're going to have tattoos on your fingers and everything. You got to see it. Number two, you are a child and you have a perfect father. You have a perfect father. You hear me? You have a perfect father. So go ahead and doubt yourself. You got a lot of reasons for that. But hold on now. The moment you put perfect before father, you don't got to doubt him a day in your life. Question him. Call him. Talk to him. Get mad at him. He's perfect. He'll perfectly reply. He'll perfectly prepare you. He'll perfectly direct you. 
He'll perfectly guide you. He's perfectly forgiven you. He's perfectly accepted you. He's perfectly covered you. He's perfectly washed you. He's perfectly designed you. He's perfectly placed you. He put you in 2023 for a reason. You hear me? You weren't supposed to be alive in 1918. You were supposed to be alive in 2023 because God the Father, the perfect Father, put something so good in you. It was made for this era. It was made for this time. It was made for, listen to me, COVID was not a surprise to God. God made us for this time and for this season. We will not be overwhelmed. We will not be overcome for we are God's children. We have a perfect father and he will perfectly provide for us in the middle of the pain that is 2023. I was made to be a preacher in 2023. I was made for it. Weren't you? What were you made for? Aren't you a child with the perfect father? What happened to your confidence? What happened to your assurance? What happened to your spiritual swag? That was cheesy. Moving on. What happened to that confidence? You know, there's a scripture, Mandy. It says, do not throw away your confidence because Christians do it all the time. In the name of humility and brokenness, we cast away our confidence. But my confidence is not in my performance, my hairline, or my appearance. My confidence is in what the perfect father has provided for me, and he has made me accepted and welcomed me into his family. And that's that. You can't shake that. You can't take that from me. You can take a lot of things from me, but you can't take that from me. I am secure. I am called. I am his. And so are you. And lastly, and I'm done, you have impulses from God, and he helps you communicate with him. I just got to read. Can we read 14, 15, 16 one more time? I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm closing. This is it. This is it. The mature children of God are those who are moved. Nobody wants to talk about this stuff anymore. By the impulses of the Holy Spirit. When were you last moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit? When were you last moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit? They're there. They're there. He's not lacking for impulses. He hasn't stopped being the Holy Spirit. He's there. Where's your confidence? I mean, put this on him. Tell him you need more impulses. Tell him you need to open up, open up my eyes so I can see your impulses. God, I know my lustful impulses. I know my arrogant impulses. I know my selfish impulses. I am well acquainted with my impulses that do not serve me and do not serve you but open my eyes to see your impulses because the Bible promises that there are impulses from God. Impulses from God. Translation, there are random thoughts that will hit your brain that came from your perfect father. Trust him. Trust him. You hear me? In a multitude of counselors, there is safety. But let me be clear. There is nothing quite like a child of God who knows the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And even when a bunch of people around them are like, you crazy. You know you're doing something right when you got a few people in your life going, are you all right? It's the impulses of the Holy Spirit. He's guiding me. He's leading me. This is your advantage. You hear me? This is your advantage. This is your advantage. Where are the impulses? Come on, church home. Where are the impulses? I need some impulses of the Holy Spirit. I know all about the other impulses. I'm very familiar with the other impulses. That's all I live by is the other impulses. I need some counteractive impulses that come from the Holy Spirit to teach me and train me and guide me and lead me. And they're there. And the Bible says that's maturity. 
Wow, that's a whole sermon. Verse 15, I'm done. And you did not receive the spirit of religion to lead you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you've received the spirit of full, 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 full acceptance and folding you to the family of God. And you'll never feel orphaned for as he rises up within us, 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 as he rises up within us. Next verse. Our spirits join him. I'm trying to be calm. So he rises up within us and he says, you're loved. And the impulse says, I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm so loved. I'm so accepted. This is how you should talk to yourself. But you know how I talk to myself? Come on, bro, get it together. Bro, come on, you're a grown man. Stop it. Come on. The Bible says, no, no, no. I'm going to give you impulse to start talking to yourself differently. Here's how I want you to talk to yourself. Talk to yourself the way I talk to you, with the tone I use. I'm so proud of you. By the way, I love that it's a whisper. It's unforced. It doesn't have to be loud. Volume's not necessary. You're loved. I'm loved. I'm so proud of you. Thanks, God. I'm, 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 I'm proud of me too because of you. And all of a sudden, you get this confidence. And, and I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm, I'm going to say this. There are some people in here, you have lost the confidence and you keep thinking to yourself, what happened to it? Where did I lose it? And where did it go? And I'm telling you, God is eliminating performance confidence in your life and he is giving you position confidence. And position confidence is not in your performance. In the, in this, it's in the position that the performance of Jesus granted you, which is righteous. And that confidence will endure. And that confidence will be there even on your lowest days and your weakest valleys and your worst months because that confidence is not in your performance, but it's in his performance. And you will tell yourself at your lowest moment, I'm righteous, I'm loved, I'm chosen, I'm his, he's proud of me. I'm talking about in your addiction. I'm talking about in your proclivities. I'm talking about in your brokenness. I'm talking about in your weakness. You start whispering what God whispers over your life. Don't you limit the whispers of God to your good days and your good weeks and your good months. I'm telling you, sometimes the whisper of God can be heard the most when you're at your worst. Yeah. I'm proud of you. You are. Yes. I love you. You're amazing. I'm not amazed. You are. Say it. Oh, hey, I'm amazing. And the Bible says the Spirit of God will help us pray to Him. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. But there are some of you, you haven't been praying because you're so tired. So here's what you need to do. This is my little trick. Tell God it's his fault you're not praying because he's not giving you stuff to say to him. I'm being serious. Hey, God, help me cry out to you. There is a scripture in Romans that says, and the spirit will make prayer through you when you don't know how to pray. He will use your sighs and your groans and he will turn them into prayers. Things preachers never tell their churches. That's a good prayer right there. You think I'm playing? That's a good one. That's a good one. Keep going. Keep going. God, am I the only one that's ever been in such a dark season? I have run out of cute, curt 
little Christian cliches to pray to hear myself and impress myself. I just want to be like, ah, God. He's like, that's good. Keep going. What do you mean keep going? This is weird. No, this is awesome. Just keep going. God, some of you are praying more than you're praying. Some of you know how to pray better than you think you know how to pray. God's going to give you prayers so you can talk to him. You hear me? He's going to give you prayers. He's going to give you prayers tonight. He's going to give you sighs and groans and one word and one statement. My favorite prayer is a prayer that the old mystics used to pray. And they used to say the name of Jesus over and over. Jesus, 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 Jesus. They had a name for it that I can't remember. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And some of these men and women who set themselves apart, they would say the name of Jesus for hours. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. There is no other name given among men by which men can be saved but the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He is Savior. He is deliverer. For the angel came to Mary and said, you will give birth to a son. He will be a miraculous son. And they will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Translation, his name is Jesus, for he will save the people from their performance. So let the, let the freedom of Jesus flow in this room, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You are no longer bound to your pedigree or to your portfolio or to your performance. You are now linked to the performance of Jesus. Therefore, by definition, eternally, you are accepted. You hear me? I'm talking about the Milky Way maker. I'm talking about the mountain maker. I'm talking about the star breather. I'm talking about the architect of the ages and the creator of heaven and earth. You are right with him. You are accepted before him. He's prepared a table before you. He's got a chair with your name on it and you are his. You can't improve on that church. You hear me? You can't improve on that. But that is the only attitude you'll ever need for true Lasting success. And I end with this. One of the great apostles was once in a prison. Not once, multiple times. And one of the scriptures, Chelsea shared this with me. One of the scriptures he writes in prison is about the triumph and victory of God. And yet, he is chained in prison. I predict that the future of the world will be at the beck and call of Jesus worshipers who though you chain them and cause them pain and ridicule them, we will continue to declare the triumph of Jesus and our joy will not be taken and our peace will not be stolen. For the kingdom of God is righteousness. That's your posture, which produces peace and joy. And that's why the clapping was happening. Are we going to play games? You're going to keep pursuing circumstantial peace and joy? Good luck in 2023. Good luck. Is that what we're after? Are we, are we still all in this room talking about, man, when, when everything gets right in my life, then I'll have... I'm 44, player. I'm old enough to tell you some some things ain't going to ever get right. You know, your aunt, she ain't going to be right. Your uncle, it ain't going to be right. You're not going to fix them. Well, if my friends could just, nah, nah, your friends are wild. When are you going to get peace that endures? 
When are you going to have joy that lasts? Anchor it to his performance. Anchor it to his acceptance. And they can't take it from you. No matter what happens, no matter what comes your way, no matter the obstacle, no matter the valley, no matter the mountain, whatever it is, I got righteousness, peace, and joy. I'm done. Mandy, I'm done. Caveat, the sexiest, one of the sexiest things amongst humans is someone who is consistently full of joy and peace. I got news for you. When you find that person, marry them unless you're already married. For that, I'm sorry. But for those of you that are single, consider yourself blessed. If you find that human who in the middle of pain and problems and challenges and you go up to him, you're like, oh, you're always so happy. Is this just like your disposition? I mean, you're like constantly happy. And it's not a personality trait. It's a positional trait. I am who I am by the grace of God. My brothers and sisters, this Jesus is the only person telling this story. You hear me? He's the only person. I dare you to find another world religion. I am not here to in any way make light of that. I am just saying the grace of Jesus Christ is only found here through Jesus. He has done the work. He has taken the pain. He has taken the shame. You can be accepted. You can be free. You can spend the rest of your life through pain, agony, and difficulty, but you can experience peace and joy that's enduring, and you can go on home to eternity and spend it forever with him. And so I present before you the God-man, the most compelling person who's ever lived, and I am in love with him, and nobody else compares and nobody else comes close. He is the king. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is the creator. He is the deliverer. He is the healer. He is the repairer. He is the restorer. He is the righteousness of God. He is the perfect man. He's everything you need and more. So come if you will. Come if you may. Come if you so desire and meet with the king. Meet with the king. He's here, and your chair is here, and it's got your name on it, and you're his, and he's your father, and he loves you, and he accepts you. We didn't come here tonight to go through the motions. Too much is at stake. We got too much at stake. Your future's at stake. Your mentality's at stake. Tonight's at stake. Tomorrow's at stake. And the path of the just shall go brighter and brighter to the coming day. I declare over your life, you are going to be set free from striving and that perpetual feeling that you are not enough. God is making you enough. God is going to make up the delta and the difference in your life. Come on. Come on. I want you to close your eyes just for a moment. Already people are hearing the whisper of God. Already people are hearing the whisper of God. You're loved. You're mine. I'm proud of you. You're incredible already, 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 already. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. If you're here tonight in the Saban Theater and you want to know this wonderful Messiah 
this wonderful healer, this wonderful forgiver, this wonderful deliverer. You cannot earn it. You cannot deserve it. You cannot warrant it. You can only receive it. The gift is yours if you want it. And if you don't want it now, it'll be available to you tomorrow. It'll be available to you tomorrow. If you want this free gift, if you want to be forgiven, I'll say it again. He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become right with God, fully accepted our sin, our error, our selfishness, separated us from God. So God put on skin and bone in the form of Jesus, and he became our judgment. He became our pain. He became our sin so we could be free. If you want that freedom and you want that forgiveness provided only through Jesus, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand and put it right back down. You know who you are. One, two, three. If that's you, just lift up your hand all over the room. That's me. That's me. Thank you. 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 Jesus, thank you. You set free. You forgive. You heal. You restore. It's what you do. It's what you do. 